Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. In our message series on Grown Spiritually, we've been using this idea of an orchard of spiritual trees who are growing up together in the Lord. And this type of imagery is uh, pretty easy for us to make connections spiritually and throughout scripture, uh, really because the Bible actually uses a lot of agricultural pictures uh, to talk about spiritual life. Uh, there's ideas of planting, of watering, of harvesting. Um, there's a lot of words that are used in the scriptures around uh, root, vines, trees, fruit, all of these things, you know, really have, again, these connections to spiritual concepts that are talked about in the Bible and also connected to what it means to follow Jesus. And so when we've talked about being a planting of the Lord and we've been looking at John chapters 13, 14, uh, just those two so far, but we're going in today in this message looking at John chapter 15. But up to this point, we've been keyed in on these main bullets or these main ideas. Uh, releasing offenses, this helps us to grow. We, we get stunted in our growth or stuck if we can't release offenses, giving up our right as to how to use offenses, whether we're gonna hold on to them, forgive them, or, or use them against somebody else. Uh, we talked about realigning relationships and just recognizing that God is our father and the church is our family. And uh, this is, you know, really challenges our kind of territorial viewpoint of our relationships. And instead it causes us or calls us to be sacrificial and reconnect to God in a different way than just having him be uh, our, our uh, distant father, but a very present father uh, who loves us and cares about us. Uh, reconnect with the church's family, not as dysfunctional family, but learning to be very functional, learning to relate to one another. The third thing that we looked at was this idea of remaining with Jesus. And so discipleship is what Jesus calls us to, not just the destination. And so Jesus says, listen, follow me, stay with me. You'll get to the Father, you'll get to heaven if you remain with me. But if all you want is to check a box or to uh, say a prayer, you, you really don't get there. You don't experience heaven. You're, you're not going to uh, be opened up to the kingdom of God. Instead, you're going to lose out on that. But if you disciple, if you remain with Jesus, you get the discipleship and the life that he calls you to plus you get heaven with that because he takes us to the Father. So remaining with Jesus. Uh, fourthly, we looked at redefining love, and this is the message previous to this one, is that we, Jesus, we didn't redefine it, Jesus redefined love as radically listening for and listening to God's voice and then doing his will. And, and this is what love looks like, uh, understanding more clearly what it is that Jesus is calling us to. And he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And, and, and so it's not a manipulation. It's not uh, just trying to uh, uh, some type of prove it type of love. It's just saying, listen, if you're in relationship to me, you're going to stay with me. And, and so Jesus redefines this type of love that it's listening to and, and obeying God's voice. Well, in this message, we're actually moving forward to the next chapter, John chapter 15. And we're looking at uh, how Jesus, in speaking with the disciples, it's a revealing of identity. Um, and so, again, 
releasing offenses, realigning relationships, remaining with Jesus, redefining love, and this week, revealing our identity. And, and this house helps us to see how our identity is tied to this idea of fruit. And so there's a lot of time that Jesus is going to be spent spending on looking at this agricultural image. And he tells the disciples in John chapter 15, he says really there's this symbiotic relationship between the Father, Son, and the disciples. Uh, next chapter, probably next message, we'll look at this idea of the Holy Spirit and what's his role in uh, the Father, Son, Spirit, and disciples. But in this particular portion, Jesus points to the disciples. He talks about the Father and he talks about himself. And uh, he's focused on helping them understand their relationship to him and how is it they're connected to uh, Jesus and to the Father. So, as I've mentioned before, one of the reasons that this portion of Scripture, John 13 through 17, is so critical is because I think it's a, a portion of Scripture that we can all identify with and find ourselves in some way, some capacity. And the reason is, is because everything for the disciples is changing. They're, they've been so accustomed to discipling with Jesus over the past two and a half, three years of town to town, um, just different interactions they've had, both with religious leaders and the townspeople, um, individuals who have needed healing, and they've listened to Jesus do all of this teaching. I mean, it's just been life together on the road and the closeness that they've experienced with him. And the, the reality is, is that all of that is changing. Jesus is now saying, uh, I'm not going to be with you. I, I'm going to you know, go to the Father and you're, you won't see me anymore. This is dramatic. I mean, this is an earthquake type of event for these disciples. And, and so he's spending significant teaching here in John 13 through 17 in these chapters because uh, he's trying to help them get ready for this dramatic shift. I would maybe liken it to a couple different ways I thought about this was um, on the teams that I played sports on, uh, every time uh, teams I was a part of, every, the coach, whenever he wanted to give instruction, he'd call a timeout or right before we would take to the court or take to the field, uh, he would always have, you know, two or three uh, quick little bits of instruction. You know, he, he would say things like, um, remember, just remember on a, on a pressed man defense, if we make it, uh, and it's a zone defense, if it's a miss, you know, he's, he's just interjecting these quick little bits. He can't give the full season of practices right in that moment, but he maybe had two or three bits of information that he was passing along right in that, uh, right in that last little bit. Uh, when I ran in track and field, my coach would say, okay, here's what I want you to do. Remember on the corner, I want you to, you know, kick in and increase your pace right after that, you know, uh, right after you get around the, the corner. Wasn't trying to give me every bit of instruction, but just really zero in on that last little bit of instruction before I went and did the event. Uh, maybe even a better example, and, and, and I've experienced this myself, uh, is with parents. Um, it's, it's like your child, if, when your child's about to make a major life change, and that could be anywhere from starting school, <laughs> you know, they've been at home or they've been in daycare and now they're, they're going to kindergarten or first grade, um, and so major life change. Uh, the, the first sleepover they had with a friend, um, the first homecoming or prom date, uh, that they went on. 
um, leaving home to go to college or leaving home for a new job. They're, they're not going to live with you any longer. So in those moments, every time as a parent, uh, you usually try to give, I would imagine, I know I did, try to give your son or your daughter, you know, just a, a couple real quick pointers about um, what, what you hope they hold on to. And you know, what you're doing, you're not trying to reteach them all of the life that you've shared together and all of your lessons. Uh, you're, you're really just trying to give two or three main things that they can hold on to when they're about to, to, go, uh, to go out to uh, this, this new experience. And so that can vary anywhere from, hey, remember, don't eat the glue <laughs> for your first day of kindergarten, uh, to remember, hey, you're leaving home, remember to get connected into a small group or to our church. Uh, in this life change that you're experiencing. And, and so, again, we're not trying to reteach everything, but we've got some real specific teachings. And, and this is what I see in Jesus. This is Jesus with the disciples. Um, you know, John 15, uh, Jesus is going to be handed over to the Romans in the not too distant future. And, and so, and, and he's going to be crucified. And so here are some very key instructions that he's speaking to the disciples before he's away from them. Hey, remember these things. These are, these are really critical things for you to remember because I'm not going to be with you. Well, let's pray and uh, then we'll look at John chapter 15 together. Lord, we're so grateful just for the words that you've spoken uh, that uh, you're given this instruction to the disciples, but this also is us as we're in discipleship with you um, here over 2,000 years later, uh, Lord, these are things that are important for us to hang on to. They still have that same sense of urgency that life is continually changing. The, the way in which we experience our walk with you, Lord, there's significant life changes that we go through. And I, we're just so thankful that you give us these same reminders that you're speaking to us. And it's as though we're just, um, God, receiving it directly from uh, your, your words, Lord, directly into our ears. Uh, it's, it's just pray that it would come up off the page and speak so closely to our heart. So we thank you for this word, and we love you, and we thank you for this time together. Amen. Well, John 15, uh, they finished the Passover meal and some initial teaching, and just right at the end of John 14, Jesus says, let us, let us rise. So they're they're getting up from the table. They're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus has these words for them in John 15, 1 through 11. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, 
that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, let's begin just by out of this passage. Uh, let's make a couple connections about who is who in this teaching. It's, it's really uh, pretty clear, but I just want to make sure that we see ourselves and see Jesus and we see the Father in the right, right perspective. So verse 1, right away, um, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. So again, right away we get this connection that Jesus is the vine, God is the vine dresser or the caretaker of the vine. We might use the word gardener, uh, but it's even more intensive than that, more direct than that. Um, the vine dresser is very attentive to the vine, pruning it, watering it, just the, the caretaker for it. Uh, he tends to it, uh, to the vine, so it is healthy and, and fruitful uh, and the most fruitful that it can be. And so Jesus is the vine that the Father is tending to. And we're given this picture of a vine that is not just neglected. It's not a vine that is just kind of out there and, and doing, getting by with whatever it can. Uh, but it is a vine that is well tended to and the Father is looking after it. So that's verse 1. But then in verse 5, uh, we also see Jesus, again, restating, I am the vine. But this time he says, and you are the branches. And so turning to the disciples, Jesus gives them this imagery. He says, listen, of this picture and that we're laying out, I'm the vine in this. My father's the vine dresser. And you, as my disciples, you are branches that are growing off of this main vine. Um, so, you know, you, in other words, Jesus saying, you originate out of me. I'm your point of origin in this picture. So now after making these connections, it's so helpful. Jesus, I love the picture and I love that he just doesn't leave it to them. You know, different times when Jesus is speaking with them, he uses parables, he uses imagery, and they're kind of left at this point like, mm, Lord, we're, we don't get it. <laughs> uh, after teaching the crowds, they're, they're back and behind the scenes, they say, Lord, we don't get it. And he goes, okay, let me explain it to you. In, in this particular story, Jesus is so clear and, and so upfront with what it is that he's trying to get them to understand. Uh, the first thing that is highlighted, again, right from the beginning, he says, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he, the father, the vine dresser, removes from me. And so second, every branch that does bear fruit, the father tends to and prunes it back so that it could bear more fruit. And, and so Jesus enters into this imagery and this picture of the vine, the vine dresser, and the branches and the fruit, which is the outgrowth of branches that are healthy, uh, he, he basically gives this idea. He says, your life is never idle. If you're a branch, if, if you're a follower, if you're a disciple of Jesus, your life is never idle. So you're always producing something. You're bearing spiritual fruit in your life. And you're also being pruned back so you can bear more fruit. You can grow more. And then the stark reality or contrast to bearing fruit is he says, and if there's no fruit, you're cut out. <laughs> you're a branch that is removed from the vine. Now, this is 
pretty dire. It's, it's really strong language. And we'll get to it in just a moment in context of what that, what that means. But this, again, just speaks to this idea that your life is never idle. There's never a point in my life or in your life that when we're discipling with Jesus, that we're just coasting and we're just kind of taking it easy. Even in times where we're experiencing rest, that rest is producing the fruit and the life of Jesus out of us. It's life-giving to others around us in our abiding rest. There's never, and, I, and that's why I'm using the word idleness versus restfulness. There's a difference there. There's never a place where followers of Jesus are just idle and nothing is happening. We're continually bearing fruit. And if we get to the point where we're not bearing fruit, there should be a strong caution to us because as Jesus is teaching, those branches are removed from the vine. Now, he follows up with this in verse 3, and he uses these words that maybe sound a little curious or uh, disconnected. He says, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, this is associated to the verse prior where he's talking about pruning. He says, the Father prunes those that are growing fruit so that they can produce more fruit. And then he goes into and he says, already you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. This connection or this linking to pruning is in a sense saying that, listen, pruning is not a sanctification in that sense. Uh, it is a, you are, you are being pruned so you can experience an increase in your life. Uh, he says, the word I've spoken to you, the, the teachings and the way in which I've uh, drawn you to the Father, that's already producing sanctifying work in you. So he says, listen, pruning in your life isn't about God, you know, clipping off something because it's wasteful. It's clipping it off so that it can be more fruitful. He's saying there's an opportunity there. He says, listen, you're already clean because of the word. You're sanctified because of his work uh, that he's been doing in you. But this pruning it's not so much corrective as much as it is reproductive. It's like more. You're doing good things. God's working in your life. There's reproducing life out of you. And so he wants to do more of that. And so that's why pruning comes. So we come back then to verses four and five. And this, I just, this is so powerful, a very well-known portion of scripture. And it's so powerful because it speaks to the core of this teaching and it really fills out this image of Jesus being the vine and us being the branches and the Father being the vine dresser. So verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> this, is, this can be difficult to hear because this gives us this basic understanding of how it is that something grows and produces fruit. Uh, for one, he begins with this idea, I am the vine, you are the branches. He says that over a couple times because he's really driving home this point. He says, listen, a branch doesn't exist out on its own. It doesn't just float in the air out there. A branch is, is 
connected in, is, is tied in to that vine, otherwise that branch dies. Uh, and, and you know this if you've clipped and done any type of work for shrubs or other things. You, you clip something, flowers, you clip a branch, it doesn't stay green. It, it doesn't continue to grow. There's not new life that's produced out of it. It begins to wither off and die because it's no longer connected into the main vine. And Jesus is just making this basic understanding. And he just says, listen, you're branches. You're not a vine. You're branches. I'm the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, if you're separated from me, you can do and you can grow nothing. Nothing life-producing comes out of you or originates out of you. It's not an outgrowth of your own making, but it is an outgrowth of being connected to me. And so Jesus tells the disciples this. He says, listen, your life as it is, your life going forward is, comes out of this remaining with me. It originates out of me and not your own accomplishments. When you bear fruit, when life-giving experiences, when life-giving words come out of your mouth, when, when you are in relationship and people are deriving hope and experiencing love and they're just experiencing all of this life-giving um, relationship out of you, he says, that originates from me. That's not you. you. You may have learned good skills, absolutely, but all of that originates out of me. It didn't come from nothing, and it didn't come from you. It came out of you being connected to me. In fact, Jesus would say, if you're trying to produce something apart from me, if you're trying to reproduce Christian life that's not connected into Jesus, he says, it produces nothing. Now, he's not saying that you can't do anything. There's many people who, you know, have successful marriages uh, in the sense of relationally they're, they're healthy in their relationship to their spouse. Uh, people who have successful careers, people who make money, people who get to enjoy different things in life. He's not saying that nothing happens unless you're a Christian and you're tied into him. What he's saying is the goal of your life, the goal of my life is to produce fruit, the, the life of Jesus out of us. And he says that won't happen unless you're connected to him. So can you do stuff? Yes. Can people do things apart from Jesus? Yes. But none of it will last. If you're trying to produce stuff out of your life apart from Jesus and you just want Jesus to bless it, it won't last. Uh, there will come a time where it will decay, it will rust, it will burn up, it will be gone. And all you'll have is a memory of something that is not lasting. And so Jesus says the stuff that lasts, the things that bring joy to your life, that honor the Father, that glorify Him, that bring glory to the Son, all of that, every last bit of it originates out of Him. And the only way you produce that out of your life is staying connected to Him. So this is you know, again, just so critical for us to understand. Uh, it's not an indictment of your skills, your personality, your ability to be resourceful. It's a spiritual statement of where real life and life-giving uh, experiences originate from. It doesn't originate from people. Every, God is the giver of every perfect gift and life-giving originates from Him. And He's given it to the Son 
to give to us. So I'm, I'm emphasizing this because there are oftentimes people who do all kinds of things and we point to it and say, you know, look at all the work that's being done. And, and there are good works that we're called to do, but all of those works originate, that we're called to do originate in Christ. They're not our righteousness. They're not our works that originate out of our own goodness. They're, they're not uh, our badges of Christian honor that we wear. They are works originated in Christ that we might reveal his glory to the world. And this is our witness that we would bear fruit. We're not bearing the fruit of our righteousness. We're bearing the fruit of Jesus's life and that we're abiding in him. This is a critical understanding of where our identity comes from. And because that way, when we see, when we talk about works and where that expresses itself, we don't do that as a way to affirm that we're worthy of redemption or our identity is the, in the quantity of works that we've accomplished. Our life and the fruit that we bear is a reflection that we've been with Jesus. And it's the things that he's instructing us to do. And we've learned his teaching and we're obeying him in it. So this passage raises another issue that I just, I want to touch on here because um, it does talk about branches that grow out of the vine and bear fruit, but it also talks about branches that are not connected to the vine that are then thrown to the side and burned up. And this is a pretty serious uh, picture image that Jesus has given. And so it really raises the question, and I hear this um, occasionally as a pastor, people have this question, can I lose my relationship to God? Or another way of saying, can I lose my salvation? Um, What does it mean to be no longer connected to the vine gathered and thrown into the fire? Now, obviously, it depends on who you speak to and what their theological background is. So let me give you one perspective, uh, which is maybe a counter perspective to my own. And so some would say that those branches or people were never really connected to the vine in the first place. So that's why they never showed fruit. Jesus says those who don't show fruit or bear fruit are gathered together and burned, uh, burned up. So in other words, some say, well, those branches were never really Christians to begin with. And so uh, they were never really saved. So they would say, no, you cannot lose what you never had. They never lost their relationship to God or they never lost their salvation because they were never connected to the vine to begin with. Um, I, I would suggest, and this is the counter view to that, is Others, like myself, believe there's a strong indication in scriptures, such as these scriptures that Jesus is talking about, these passages that Jesus gives us, that there are conditions to us having a relationship with God. That it's not solely the work of God. Absolutely everything about our spiritual life originates with God, but then we have a partnership or we have a part to take in that relationship. And our part in that it's, com- it's a complete work of grace. It starts with Jesus, but we do have to participate by remaining and abiding in him. And even in this portion, Jesus points to that. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I in you. So he does indicate that there's a remaining or abiding part that we have. And that if we don't abide and we don't remain, 
then we are disconnected and unfruitful in that connection, then we're cut off because there is an indication that we are part. And so we're cut off from the vine because we're dead. We've disassociated ourselves from the vine. We're trying to do it, live something, or we've, we've disconnected ourselves from relationship to Jesus in such a way that we no longer produce any fruit and we're becoming dying. We're dead branches uh, trying to just look like we're connected, but we're truly not connected. Otherwise, there'd be life in us. So Jesus points to this and he says, listen, there is a way in which you and I, we could start with God. We could begin this work of grace, but then either through neglecting or intentional disassociating ourselves from Jesus, the vine, that it causes us to become a withered branch that no longer produces anything of life of God out of us. And there's a very strong, I believe, indication in the scripture that those branches are cut off from the vine and then burned up. They no longer identify or connect to the vine in any way. So this is a really strong caution. It's not something that somebody just says, oops, I didn't realize I wasn't part of the vine. That's not what this says. This says Jesus recognized, he's pointing to the fact of people, individuals who are branches, who have made a willful decision to do life on their own and disassociate, disconnect from the vine. So I, I don't in any way believe, nor do we teach uh, as a church, that you somehow lose it as though you'd lose your keys. Uh, no, it's not something you mistakenly set aside and you didn't realize it. No, to lose your salvation or to lose your relationship with God is an intentional act of neglect and an intentional disassociation from Jesus and an intentional neglect of wanting to know God or a walking away from that relationship. And in that regard, uh, Jesus is teaching something here and that the way that you continue with him is to abide with him is to be intentional about your time with him, to be intentional about his teaching and obeying him and doing what he says, learning what he says and then doing it. And then making sure that then that doing produces that fruit. And so out of this, let me make two main points and then I'll wrap up uh, this whole idea of the vine, the vine dresser and the branches and as it relates to the disciples and also as it relates to us. First, the fruit of our lives is the outgrowth of being with and remaining with Jesus and doing what he has taught. This brings glory to the Father. So there's real actionable steps. There's real activity that you and I are responsible for. Again, I, I'm not suggesting that you're saved through these works. I'm not saying that by doing a lot of spiritual activity, Make sure, make, makes you sure that you're saved. What I'm saying is that if you aren't doing activity, you should strongly question about where your relationship is with Jesus. If you're not spending time in the word, if you're not spending time in prayer, and if you're not loving others graciously, if you're not being generous with what God has given you, if you're not caring uh, about the orphan, the widow, the homeless, if you're not caring about the least of these among you, if, if you don't have a heart to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and to be a disciple who is discipling others, if those things are not on your perspective or in your line of sight, you should feel a very strong caution <laughs> 
about the lack of that type of fruit not showing up in your life. And this is not me trying to put a heavy on you. This is Jesus saying, if you're in the vine, then you're a branch that bears out fruit. And if fruit is not showing up in your life, then that could be an indication that you're not strongly connected to the vine. And that should be a warning sign to you that, boy, you know what? I'm, I'm at risk of being a branch that is just withering here and, and, and not bearing out the life of Jesus out of me. And so I'm not doing works to make my way to salvation. I'm saying I want to put on display what Jesus is doing in my life. And if there's not that passion, then Lord, help me to get in relationship with you at a more deeper level. So while some would focus on trying to give God glory through displaying fruit in and through others' lives, listen, you and I all, every follower of Jesus, every one of us has a responsibility to bear fruit. I can't point to that person, that minister, that ministry and say, yeah, I, I gave a few dollars and so I'm so thankful for that fruit that's happening out of that ministry and now that's my fruit. No, there has to be direct correlation of the fruit that's coming out of my life as well. It is good to be generous. That is a way of displaying fruit. But there needs to be true discipleship fruit. I need to be sharing the gospel with others. I need to be helping those in my own life who I can come alongside and help. So this is a, a strong encouragement for us to be discipling, for us to be bearing out fruit in our life and not just pointing to the fruit of others and claiming it for our own. The other thing I want to highlight out of this is the purpose of us knowing the need to remain with Jesus and display fruit is so that we can have an increase of joy that comes from Jesus. And I'll wrap up this message with this, is that Jesus goes through this teaching and he comes to this point and he says, listen, the reason I'm telling you this is so that you can experience my joy and your joy will be more full or more complete out of this. There's a lot of followers of Jesus who lack a deep sense of joy and delight out of God's work. And I, I believe that what this passage is telling us is the lack of joy we experience is from a lack of fruit showing up in our life and a lack of, of connectedness to Jesus that we've somehow just now living around Christian stuff, listening to Christian music and having some Christian books and attending a Christian church, all of this stuff, we think this should give us joy. What Jesus says is doing, listening and doing my works is what's going to bring you joy. He, he doesn't say these things. He's very clear. I'm not, he says, I'm not giving you this stuff to lay a burden on you, a weight, that makes you sad or feel obligation, I'm giving you a pathway to true joy. And that's doing the things that I did and saying the things that I say. Jesus pointed to that in his own life and we'll get to that in, a, in a, another message coming up. But Jesus said, listen, his delight was to do the work of the Father. Whatever the Father told him to do, that's what Jesus wanted to do. And that was his joy, his delight, was bringing glory to the Father. Jesus points to this in the same way. He says, listen, your joy isn't derived out of your own stuff. You, I'm telling you this because you're going to find real joy when you do what I tell you to do. And when you walk in the fullness of my life and works and that fruit goes on display, 
He says, you're just going to have such a full life and such full joy as you bring life-giving ministry to the world around you and the people around you, life-giving relationships, life-giving words, prophetic words, words of encouragement, life-giving healing through prayer and ministry, life-giving uh, generosity and acts of service. He says, your life is just going to be so full of joy because this is the pathway. You're abiding in me and this life-producing fruit that grows out of your life. He says, this isn't going to be a weight, a heavy weight on you. He says, the Father's going to just be very attentive to you. And he's going to prune you when you need pruning. And this life is just going to grow out and it's going to bring you such joy. So if I can just encourage you as I wrap up that if you're lacking joy, can I encourage you this week to one, be with Jesus and ask him just directly, Lord, how can I bless somebody this week? How can I produce the fruitful life that you want to out of me? Is there somebody I can serve? Is there a way that I can give more this week in generosity? Is there a way that I can love somebody who has kind of been on the fringe of my life and that you just point to me and just give me a prophetic word, of a word of encouragement, uh, Lord, that you would give me a, an insight of how I can serve them and, and just be this one who brings life-giving fruit into their life. I encourage you, pray that prayer. If you're lacking joy, pray that prayer today and ask the Lord to reveal to you what you could do to bear fruit, to bring glory to him. And I'm confident that he'll do it. And when he does that, I would love to hear just the joy that comes out of your life. I would love to hear what the outcome is that uh, is of that as you uh, just produce that fruit in your life. Well, as you do it, I'm going to be doing it. And I think we'll have some great testimonies about the way that we're walking in the joy of the Lord as we abide in him. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for the pathway of staying with you, but also of um, God producing fruit that brings joy into our own lives. And so we're excited about it. God, we're looking forward to it. Um, we heed this caution, God, if, if we're not producing, if we're just pointing to others' fruit and, and we're applauding them, that's not enough. Lord, we want to produce this fruit out of our own lives, these works that honor you, that glorify you. Uh, Lord, so lead us in that. Uh, give us this unction, this fire in our bones, God, to do it, to not be passive, uh, Lord, to, to not just think that because we're around this type of stuff that that we can claim it as our own. We want to be active participants. And so, Lord, we welcome. Uh, prune us where we've experienced life-giving ministry that we would grow more. Um, Lord, caution us where we are drying out and we're not grafted in well. And Lord, pour out that joy. Uh, help us to receive that same joy that's yours in doing the work of the Father. So we thank you for it. And we give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.